This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves to fire that. What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show on Pulse95 Radio with your boy Omar Duri. Right, okay, let's dive straight into it. I know you were probably thinking I was going to start off with this, but I thought, why not dive into it now? Arsenal versus Manchester City yesterday, massive, massive game for the Prem. Massive game as, a, I'd say, the best two teams in England facing each other. And it's fair for me to say that following last year's performances between um, between these two teams, which, which was... And a lot of people say, well, Manchester City were always going to win it. But let's face it now, when you when you push them to be great, and I say that because a lot of people thought that Arsenal threw it away rather than Manchester City won it. But Manchester City were the best team in the world, winning the Champions League, the Premier League and the FA Cup. It showed that they were unbeatable. But this season has proven a little bit different for Manchester City. As when you look at their, their stats, you look at their games, and you think of what they've done, they're third at the moment. They're not having that 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 bad of a season, but by their own standards, and this is what people allude to, by their own standards, they are they are facing a few challenges, maybe, maybe, with the fact that they had Rodri out, maybe the fact that they had De Bruyne out, who's been out most of the season, but also the fact that they have new players coming in and they have players like uh, Gundogan and Cancelo who are, and Mares who are no longer there. We spoke about Mares earlier. And in this game yesterday, one of the things that a lot of people have been highlighting over and over and over again is that Arsenal have failed to beat Manchester City for a very, very long time. 17, 20 games and they still weren't able to beat them. As close as they came to them, City were on a different planet. Now yesterday, coming into the Emirates Stadium, there was two two players particularly that were missing for both clubs. One was Rodri for Manchester City, who has been a catalyst to their success in the midfield and the other has been Bakayo Saka who's gone 86 or 87 games consecutively playing for Arsenal starting for Arsenal and being one of their most important valuable players um, this season and last season so coming into this game we looked at the lineups and we thought okay how is this going to turn out is it going to be one of those games where we pretty much know that no matter what you do City will have most of the ball and Arsenal will try and break on the counter-attack a lot of the talk was about the goalkeeper, David Rea, who was playing in goal, maybe had a shaky start in the first half, and City played on that, played on their nerves. We looked at the back fours, Inchenko, Gabriel, Saliba, and Ben White. No surprises there. Then in the midfield, that was going to be the, the, the question mark. Who would Arteta play? Declan Rice, a definite. Martin Odegaard, a definite. Jorginho came in for Kai Havertz um, and did quite well in terms of managing the game, although he did pick up a yellow card. Then the front three, again, with Saka out, Martinelli injured, coming back from injury. Who was he going to play? He played Trossard, Jesus, and Eddie Nketiah. Looking at City, it was a different game because for them, you pretty much know it's a plug-and-play system. Who's going to rotate? How are they going to rotate? Played with a back four quite centrally in terms of Guardiola, Nathan Ake, Ruben Diaz, and Kyle Walker. Then, on the team sheet, it looked like he was playing a two, which was Kovacic and Rico Lewis, but we saw in the game, the way they were lined up, that Bernardo Silva dropped into the deep-lying playmaker role and allowed uh, Rico Lewis to be just ahead of him. Alvarez normally plays in the 10, Phil Foden off the left, and the machine, 
Erling Haaland up top. Edison was in goal as usual, and that's how the teams lined up. Now, even then, looking at the stats, it was more of a chess game. I know, depending on which network you were watching, certain commentators had maybe a, a, a dull approach on how the game went with only three shots on target from both teams across the 90 minutes. Now, that might sound boring for some, but as a chess match or as a boxing match, they were picking their spaces. They were picking their timing. They were looking to, to go through the gears. Now, because there were so many things happening on the pitch, it seemed like one of those things that at any moment something could happen. Raya might have cost Arsenal a couple of misplaced passes, which again, on turnover, on possession, would normally hurt Arsenal. But on the other hand, you know, um, Saliba and Gabriel were fantastic against the unbelievable Erling Haaland. And that was something that at any time, especially when the commentators say Haaland hasn't touched the ball, that always worries me because it only takes one touch and the whole game has changed. In this game, they managed to restrict him from having a shot on goal, which I think is incredible because of how good City are. But also at the same time, Kovacic was very lucky to not be shown two yellow cards following his first challenge on Odegaard and his second challenge moments after that on Declan Rice. The referee saw some grace and kept him on the pitch, uh, which again could have changed the game. And if it would have changed the game and Arsenal would have got a 1-0 victory, it probably would have been down to that decision. So I'm kind of happy that that decision did not go for Arsenal because later on, Gabriel Martinelli came on for Trossard and with a fortunate deflection of Netanyahu's face, managed to score for Arsenal to make it 1-0. And that changes the scope of how the Premier League is. Now, my question to everyone here now, especially with how City normally start the season and how they normally finish it, as we know over the last three years, have City shown signs that they are beatable? As crazy as that sounds, because they haven't been perfect, which again, most of the time, even if they don't win by three or four, they're in control of games. They manage games. They're able to go through the gears. They're able to slow it down. They're able to frustrate opponents. Have City shown signs that they are possibly beatable this season, especially without their core talented um, spine? Now, who is, who, who, are, who is the spine? When you look at it, Edison, untouchable. Haaland, untouchable. Rodri, untouchable. Some might even say Kyle Walker, untouchable just because the other defenders are very very good but they don't have the pace of Kyle Walker and as good as Diaz is as good as Akanji is Ake and Guardiola who are 100 million pound players there's something with that spine that when one or two are not playing there is hope for other teams and I think that's what Arsenal and Tottenham have shown this season and coming into the international break yeah I know it shows that Arsenal and Tottenham are currently top of the league with 20 points and 10 goal difference. Uh, Manchester City are third, just two points behind. Liverpool are fourth with 17 points, uh, three points behind the leaders. And Aston Villa and Brighton are in fifth and sixth with 16 points. Who is going to win the league this year? I'll let you know. You text me on 4215 at the Salat do, or start up into my DMs at Omar Duri on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m. 